If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of Galatians, chapter 3. Uh, I'm kicking off uh, a brand new series this morning, and I got something just stirring in my spirit uh, for you, for me, on, on a personal level. And I really do believe for our church, uh, for what the Lord is doing. Uh, it, and it's a little specific to the season of life we find ourselves in. So I want to spend about three weeks here teaching on the blessing of God and his redemptive purpose in your life. And I could think of no greater verse than here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. These are two verses that speak so much to me. Galatians 3, verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, we do thank you for the word of the Lord. I, I pray, Lord, for open hearts, open minds, fruitful, effective, that we're going to sow the seed of God's word, and it's going to bear fruit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I was, uh, when, when you get to this time of year, you know, spring, man, I get excited about it. I love spring. It's just good to be through the winter. Can I get a witness? And um, I was thinking about a Saturday, 22, 23 years ago, May 16th, 1998, uh, mom and dad sat me down and said, we're tired of your rebellious ways. You're either going to shape up or you're going to ship out. And when I realized they were trying to kick me out and not let me take the car, <laughs> I was like, man, I had to come into Jesus moment. And I don't know what it was, man. It just stuck with me. I gave my heart to the Lord that morning. I rededicated my life and it has never left me since, man. And so I think about that this time of year. Uh, that day, I went to work at the Laurel Golf Club where I was working at. And, you know, when you're living in sin, you live in a place of frustration. It just seems like you can't get things to work. You're frustrated. Your friends are angry. Nothing's happened. And I don't know, that day, I ended up getting more tips than I ever got working there. You know, a good day, you might get four or five bucks in tips back in 1998 at a golf club. I ended up with like 35, 40 bucks, you know, and it was just a little indication to me of God's favor and his blessing. I felt like I went from a place of frustration into a place of favor. And I, I don't know, I just sense that God is up to something. Uh, and I believe that his favor is increasing in our life, in your life, and what he wants to do. So these verses, there's really two parts to the verses. Verse 13 is what I want to deal with today in which the Bible says that he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Next week, I'll deal with verse 14 when it talked about the blessing of Abraham. I mean, that's a powerful verse. But today, I want to highlight the fact that this verse tells us in, in Galatians 3.13 that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law because Jesus became a curse for us. It says it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, what this verse tells us is that on the cross, Jesus took the curse for you and me. He took it. And this idea is central to the gospel. It, it, it's like the heart of the Bible and God's plan for your life. And when Paul wrote Galatians, he quoted a, an obscure Old Testament reference that has got some profound implications. I mean, he's quoting Deuteronomy 21 and verse 23. And the Bible says, 
in that passage of Scripture, it's such a, you could read right over it. It simply says, if you hang on a tree, there's a curse. And it's like God, who wrote the Bible, he, he put that in there specifically, thinking about Jesus and, and the curse that he would take upon him as he hung on a tree on the cross. And, man, I just think about what Peter wrote. He, he said that you've not been redeemed with silver or gold or, or, or earthly things. You have been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that he who knew no sin, Jesus, was made to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Literally, when he hung upon that cross, the sin of the world, the curse, everything came upon him so that you and I could experience the blessing and the favor of God. I love this story. This is a familiar theological concept in the Bible, the plan of redemption. I think the Greek word is excursio. And what that has to do with, that literally means that you have been bought back. And I always use the coupon illustration, because if you've ever been out to eat with me, you know I like to use coupons, because we got little children in the home. we got to conserve money. <laughs> and what they do is they buy back the coupon. That and I feel good about saving money at restaurants. Come on. <laughs> We've been bought back. To, it, redemption means to gain possession of something or someone. And when the Bible says that your life we were bought with a price. It tells us that we should glorify God in our bodies. I want my life to honor him. I want to submit myself to him. I want to walk with him. There's something about obedience to him that is a longing in my soul. The word redemption also means to compensate for your faults or weaknesses. And what that tells me is that because I have been redeemed, God can take the gifts and the talents that I have, and he can use them for his glory. He can take the little that I have, and he can multiply it. Like the little boy with the you know, uh, couple fish and, and the loaves of bread, God can multiply that. He can multiply what I have. This is such an interesting verse. It says, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. What does that even mean that we have been redeemed from the curse. I mean, you hear that and you think, what, what, what is that talking about? Because if you want to know what you have been blessed into, uh, you need to know what you have been redeemed from. If you want to experience God's favor and his blessing, you need to understand what, what he took upon you at the cross. So I'd like to go back to the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 26. And I want to highlight for you uh, what it means to be redeemed from the restraints that held you back. Redeemed from things that kept you down. And, you know, Leviticus 26 is such an interesting chapter. It deals with the blessing and the cursing. This is also recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it is a long chapter. The first eight, bless you you're coming and bless you and you're going. all about God's blessing. He said, I'm going to bless you in the city. I'm going to bless you in the field. I'm going to bless you and you're coming and bless you and you're going. There's great, great blessing in this chapter about being obedient. But he's going to spend the next 60 verses... And it's going to deal with the curse of the law and, and the result of disobedience, which gets lengthy, fairly exhaustive. If you read the details of it, it's almost gruesome in some places and quite sad. But I want to boil it down. I want to hit one verse here, and I want to give you a couple thoughts about it, about what it means to be redeemed from restraints. Let's look at Leviticus 26 and verse 20. He said, your strength shall be spent in vain. For your land shall not yield its produce 
nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. The first thing that you have been redeemed from is what I'm going to call hard labor. Genesis called it the sweat of your brow. He said, your strength shall be spent in vain. You know, this, this kind of is describing an exhaustive struggle that sometimes people go through. Your strength being spent unnecessarily. And he's going to tell us, you know, exactly what happened to Adam. This is Genesis chapter 3 in the garden. God spoke to Adam after he had sinned, and he said uh, that the ground was going to be cursed for your sake. He said you're going to have to work it and till it with the sweat of your brow. And then he's going to say that, you know, nothing's going to be easy for you. It's going to produce thorns and thistles. And I'm telling you, a lot of people live their life that way. It, under the curse where it's hard, difficult, it, it, there's labor involved. When I talk about labor, I'm not talking about not having a work ethic. Because, you know, the scripture says that we need, if we don't, you know, work, we cannot eat. And there's something about working hard. And being an adult and getting through things. But I do think in this society, we've got a lot of younger people in particular who are not grateful because life has gotten so soft in America. So you lose people who, who understand what it means to labor for things. But I'm, I'm not talking about that kind of labor. I, I'm talking about laboring in your, your own strength, your, your sweat, and being stressed out and under the effects of the curse. That, that's what I'm highlighting, the, the, that side of it. You know, labor, when we describe that, what, what he's describing is something that's not easy. Something in which there is no grace. You know, you can always tell when something isn't easy because you start to get frustrated by it. That's like when you're working on something that doesn't go right, and you start getting angry and saying bad words. You get frustrated. And whenever I sense frustration, I realize that I'm outside of grace. It, Paul did write in Galatians 2, I do not frustrate the grace of God. And sometimes hard things feel like you're in a difficult moment because it just feels like things are hard. Things are not easy. That's, that's, that's the frustration that comes with being in the flesh. Uh, this labor we're talking about is a supernatural struggle that has to do with the effects of the curse that's been in the planet at, at work against people. It, it, it's like it, a lot of people, they live in a very difficult place. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah said it this way. He said, uh, you have sown wheat and, and you're going to reap thistles. That's a consequence of the curse. Uh, uh, Hosea talked about a man putting money in a bag, and he said that money would have holes in it. The bag had holes. It was just spilling out. It's kind of like, you know, if you've ever spent a day working on a house project and you put the wrong trim up, maybe, and then you had to spend the next day fixing it. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. <laughs> you know the experience of what it's like. You work so hard to do something, and it feels like it's fruitless and doesn't go with it. That is the sweat of a brow. That, that's, that's frustration. That is what happens when you labor in the flesh. You're laboring in your own strength. And he said here, if you're going to live in the law and under the curse... Your strength, he said, shall be spent in vain, difficulty and toil. You know, Jesus said that the flesh profits nothing. And in your flesh, Scripture says, dwells no good thing. The problem is you and I so badly want to be in control of our outcomes. I mean, we, we want to make sure everyone likes us, 
And so we try to put our best foot forward and try to manipulate relationships so people will like you. And that requires a lot of work, some stress, some sweating. Same thing with your money. That's what, and so people, they, they want to be in control, and so they get real stingy with it. They want to be a blessing to anybody. They, 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 it, it's like, man, there's this idea that, you know, I, I got to work for everything I have. I got to get what I can, can what I get. And, and so it's like, you know, difficult. But I'm just telling you this morning, the Lord wants to redeem you so that it's easy, sweatless. Think about what Israel stepped to. Houses you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. I mean, he eat gardens that, that were put there by. That, that's what they inherited in the land. And this is the first thing that we've been redeemed from. It, it's this sense that you got to strive after it, sweat after it, work hard for it without any grace from the Lord. You've been redeemed from that. The next part of the verse, verse 20 here, I'm still in the same verse, says your strength will be spent in vain. That, that's your labor. And your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. Here's the second thing that we have been redeemed from. I'm calling this lack. When you don't have enough. It's, things are unprofitable. There's insufficiency. We could say that you have poverty in a situation. And I'm telling you, poverty is not God's best for your life. Poverty is not God's plan for your life. I know that because what Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9, it said that through the gift of the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. God wants to bless you. And poverty means different things to different people, okay? So when we talk about poverty, we're talking about this effect of the curse. I have been to India where you got six or seven people living in a small cement block home with toilets on the floor and no running water. And it wasn't like they're living in poverty. They, they had a great home because I've been to some other places in India where you wouldn't want to go. That was like, you know, the blessing of the Lord in their life. Poverty just simply means sometimes different things for different people. And what I'm telling you this morning is God wants to see his people blessed. He wants your land to produce fruit. He wants your trees to be fruitful and productive. Another way we could talk about poverty in the current you know, world we're living in right now, we could call it uh, supply chain issues. We could call it inflation. That's the reason the Snickers bar, which used to cost 89 cents, remember that? Now costs like 219, right? Yeah, because your money's worth less. And it's like, it, it just feels like sometimes there's not enough. And it can be very frustrating. Sometimes people live under that. I was at Walmart, maybe like, a year and a half ago, and I like to go in the mornings and check out. I'm at Walmart, minding my own business, checking out, and I hear some man who he was, you know, obviously friends with the cashier lady, and he starts yelling at her. He was like, you can't afford to have a stay-at-home mom in, in America today. You just can't do it. No one can afford it. And I remember minding my own business, you know, swiping some bananas and thought, well, I do it. <laughs> my wife and I make it happen. And, you know, that doesn't make it easy. Sometimes you go through tight moments. But the real reason it works for us is because we don't live under a curse. I'm not experiencing, you know, thorns when I plant wheat. I experience God's blessing in my I have been redeemed from lack. He's right there to take care of me. You know, lack sometimes happens when there is no rain. That is what the 19th verse says. Right before verse 20, he said, The heavens will be iron and the earth will be like bronze. Do you remember what we had in drought last year? 
I mean, it just felt like everything was dry. I'm so grateful for rain. I don't even take snow, even this late in the year, because it's a symbol of blessing. Things grow. And rain in the Bible speaks to us about the Holy Spirit. There, there's a supernatural supply when you've got the Holy Spirit in your life that he will bring provision to us. Sometimes people experience lack because they have not sown enough seed in the ground. And when I get stressed out, when I start thinking about insufficiency, not enough, when I'm stressed, I sow a scripture. I plant the seed of God's word. So when I start, you know, feeling a little tight, because we got three munchkins who will eat you out of house and home. I start thinking about how my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I was thinking about the blessing of Abraham. Blessing, I'll bless you. Multiplying, I'll multiply. I, I, I quote Psalm 23, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So instead of dwelling on lack, I'm sowing scripture into the soil and I'm watching it grow. Sometimes seeds might have to do with your finances. And I see people who don't have enough because they haven't been generous enough. They haven't sown enough seed in the soil for God to bring it back. You know, I did get to a point maybe like three years ago where Elizabeth and I were down to like our last 500 bucks in savings. Just so you know, I don't like to live with only 500 bucks in savings. I was like, oh man, and we're faithful, we're generous, and I don't know what happened. I hit like what I felt was rock bottom, and I can't explain it, man. God just started blessing me. It was like everything turned around within a matter of weeks. Everything was just, I don't know how that happened. I, don't, I just know I'd sowed seed and God had blessed it. He's faithful like that. <clears throat> He's a faithful God. Sometimes people have lack, not enough, because they have not been good stewards of what they do have. Because you know what happens is your flesh gets involved and you overindulge and buy things that you can't afford. And then you start getting frustrated and wondering, and it's because... You, you weren't disciplined. You couldn't say no to yourself. That's why lack happens sometimes. Sometimes lack comes because God has not been put first place in your life. He, he's a secondary priority to you. He, he's really not first. Uh, Proverbs 3.9, we quoted that during the offering. It says, honor the Lord with your first and your best. Because after that, Proverbs 3.10 says that God wants your barns to be full and your vats to overflow with new wine. This is what God wants. He wants you to be able to be a blessing. He didn't want you to live under the curse. He wants you to live in a place of blessing. And I know sometimes it feels tight. You know, we got these inflation issues. I don't know if you've seen what's up right now. They have a string of food processing plants across America that have had catastrophic problems. They're burning down. They don't know what's going on. It's just it's like several of them burned down, and it's going to cause food prices to get higher. But I do know what David the psalmist said in Psalm 37, that he has not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And as I read my Bible, I don't see God's people starving. The only guy who was hungry one time was, you know, Elisha. He was holed up by the river, and he was getting DoorDash from the birds, <laughs> dropping people off, dropping food right there. I mean, I'm telling you, God knows how to take care of his people. And come what may, and it may get crazy in America, we have a covenant with God where he will bless his people and take care of you. I have been redeemed from lack, and that's what I came to tell you this morning. He can take care of his people. Mm -hmm. Now, the gravest consequence of the law here, the curse, 
Uh, I, I, want, I want you to go with me over to 1 Corinthians 15.56. I could have stayed in Leviticus 26, and we could talk about the sword, and we could talk about pestilence, but I want to highlight a verse here. 1 Corinthians 15.56. Here's what it says. And by the way, this is a great chapter to be in right after Easter because the whole chapter deals with the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It tells us, 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin, very interesting what it says, the strength of sin is the law, the curse of the law. And if you're living under the law, the Bible says you're living under the curse. What this tells me is that I have been redeemed from the loss of life, which has to do with death. Death is the inevitable consequence of the curse when it's played out. And its sting is not just in its finality. Its sting is because it starts with sin. It's sort of like a bee sting. You get stung with a, a, a bee sting, and, and it hurts in the moment, but then your hand starts to swell. Romans chapter 7, verse 8 says something very interesting. It says that sin takes opportunity by the law. It, it, sin starts working because there's an opportunity presented by the law. And, you know, the law says that you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't steal, but then it comes time to pay taxes. And you don't want to give those jokers any more money because, you know, they gave you a bunch of free money, and that's the reason why the Snickers bar costs more now than it does. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, man, if anyone can't steward things, it could be the U.S. government. But Scripture says, you know, you shouldn't lie, and you got to be honest. You can't steal. Scripture says you shouldn't look at people and lust after them. And then you see scantily clad people walking around more and more than ever before. And, and the Bible says, you know, you don't want to live that way. That, that's, that one look could turn into a real sting of death. Scripture says you ought to honor your parents and you want to honor the elderly. But sometimes when you're 20, 30, or 40, you think your parents don't know what they're talking about. Come on, somebody. You got to honor them. That's the strength of sin. It says you don't, you know, you got to listen to them. It gives you these, that's how it takes opportunity. Because it tells you not to do it, and then your flesh wants to do it. The thing about sin is that it's progressive. It's like it starts growing and working, and it begins a process of decay. Now, I was in my office the other morning, and I was kind of cleaning up, and I looked under my chair. You know what I found? I found an apple that had little nibble bites all over it. And I thought, man, there must be a rodent around here. And I realized it was my three-year-old girl who loves to nibble on things and never finish her thing. So I found a half-chewed-up apple under there. You know, when you bite into an apple, it begins a process of decay. And that process never stops until that thing eventually dissolves. It's biodegradable. So that's what sin is like. It's like a decaying apple that grows into a state of ultimate death. When Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that we are the salt of the earth, the earth is in a decaying state, and that salt was a preservative. It kept things preserved, uh, so it slowed down the decay process. I'm telling you, this is why I believe in the rapture of the church, because right now, it's like the church is the salt of the world, and, and, and without the church here, you would see this place crumble into sin like you couldn't imagine. Sin will ultimately culminate in death. This is what the book of James says, chapter 1. It, it says that sin it gives birth 
to death, and, and it produces that. It grows into it. That's why Romans says the wages of sin is death. Hey, you know what's great about eternity, though, and heaven and being with the Lord? It is that when we get into heaven, there's no more curse. Revelation 22, verse 3. He's going to wipe away your tears, and he's going to hug on you and love you. But it says there's no more curse in heaven. There's no loss of life. There's no lack. You know, Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always. See, here we, we have poverty. We've got lack, insufficiency in this planet. But in heaven where he dwells, there's no lack. There's only life, and, and things are sweatless and enjoyment, and his blessing is right there. This is just what happens. And I'm telling you, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, let's read verse 57. He said, but. After he talked about the sting of death, he says, but. That's what I like about the Bible. There's some big buts in it. He said, but. Thanks be to God, who it says, gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What that verse tells me is, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. And it's past tense, which tells you that through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, he has blessed my life. I've been redeemed from the struggle of effort that goes nowhere and laboring for something that's not producing anything. I have been redeemed from fruitlessness. I have been redeemed from death. You know, the Bible says that you can have days of heaven upon the earth. Life can go very well for you. Yeah. And so it says in verse 58, therefore, someone say therefore. If there's a therefore, you need to know why it is. Therefore, because we have been redeemed, Scripture says, my beloved brethren, those of us sitting up here in the church house, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because you and I have been redeemed, I'm here to tell you this morning, your labor doesn't have to be fruitless. Your labor can be fruitful, doesn't have to be in vain. It uses the word labor here. I looked up that word. It does mean toil and hard work. And, and so let me just tell you, the work of the ministry is some hard work. And what makes you sweat is this little thing called the labor of love. Loving on people might be challenging. Because, you know, there's some people that I love. I don't really like them, but I love them. Yeah. And uh, it says that you ought to labor to rest. I mean, think about that. you got to rest in faith and grace. And you got to work at laboring that way. It's, it's not like in your flesh. It's in the spirit that you have to labor to love on people, rest. And, and so our labor, when it's in the Lord, that's where it's fruitful. That's where it's effective. That's where it's full of grace and truth. That, that's where God's blessing and hand is upon it. And if you want to be fruitful, if you want your labor to bear fruit, he said, you got to know, knowing that your labor is in the Lord. When I know something, I know deep down in my soul, I know deep down on the inside, I can spiritually perceive that I'm in the will of God. And when I know that, it becomes very easy for me to fulfill his will, to, to, to labor on his behalf. When I know I'm in the will of God, I can be steadfast and immovable. That means that I'm, I'm uh, not double-minded. I'm going to double down and believe in God's plan. I'm going to be faithful to finish, faithful to follow through, because I know that I'm working for the Lord, and He will take care of it. I don't have to strive. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to stress. God will do the work on my behalf. Yeah, that's where you get always abounding. You always abounding. That means there's joy. There's 
things get easy, and, and that joyfulness is something that is evident for people to see. It's contagious. It's like, man, they can't help but notice there's something happening right there. I'm con- totally convinced that when I rededicated my life to the Lord on May 16th, 1998, I'm totally convinced that when I did that and people started blessing me with tips for cleaning their golf clubs and smiling, uh, I-, I just felt like, man, they could see the joy. They could see the favor of God. They could see what he was doing. I want to ask you this morning about your life, your situation. Maybe you feel like you are laboring for something. Maybe you feel like it's an endless struggle. You might feel like I've got, you know, sentenced to 20 years hard labor. And I'm telling you, this is just what we talk about being redeemed. Next week, we'll get into the blessing of God because he wants to bless his people. But you don't have to strive for it. You don't have to struggle for it. It doesn't have to feel like you're got a bag you're carrying around full of holes and losing stuff. I'm telling you, you have been redeemed from that. Redeemed from lack, struggle, frustration. You might feel that way. You might feel like, I just can't get ahead. Everything is so much work. Everything is so difficult. Everything is so challenging. And I'm telling you, that's not the way God wants you to operate. He's redeemed you from useless toil. He's redeemed you from fruitlessness. He wants to see you do well. You might feel like you don't have enough. It just seems like sometimes, you know, you come to the end of the month, there's not enough month left. You, you think, man, I don't, I don't have enough happen. I don't have enough in my life. And I'm telling you, the Lord wants to give you an abundance. He wants to see to it that you're taken care of. You know, it's a funny thing. You're tempted to think that enough would mean that I have money in my bank account. But you know what I found out? is that if you have Jesus, you have more than enough. All you have to have is Jesus close with you and in your life. And it's like, man, he has marvelous ways of providing and blessing and taking care of you. I have Jesus. And he can take that little, he can take the nothing that I have. And with Jesus, I have everything I need and then some. That's the lack that he wants to set you free from. Really what we're saying is, You need more of Jesus in your life. And I I feel that stirring in my spirit because here's what I believe. I believe that the Lord is going to make things so much easier for you than you've had it before. And all we're talking about is understanding you've been redeemed and being close to him. And if, if you can understand that, I don't have to put up with a curse and I stay close to Jesus and I'm telling you, things get easier in your life. His blessing starts being real, man. I want to pray that over the people of God. Father, this morning, I just thank you. Head to toe, every way. God, you're going to remove barriers, demonic obstacles that are in our way. (coughs) Little things that held us back, things we don't see. God, you're going to make it easy. I thank you for an abundance and a supply, and I thank you for the grace of God. Great grace. We don't have to put up with lack. We don't have to have struggle. Lord, I thank you for great, great, great growth in people's lives, in their finances, in their businesses, in every area. Lord, give them wisdom how to handle children. Give them wisdom how to parent people. Father, I just thank you that that it doesn't have to be hard to deal with teenagers. It can be easy in the grace of God. I declare that over you in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I was uh, reading about a Presbyterian minister who had three children's 
and his, his wife died. Now, I got three children. That's a lot of work. And if Elizabeth died, we would be up a creek. <laughs> there would be some problems. I, his wife died in a horrible car accident. He's left with three kids. And he said, I'm a minister. She's my wife. And I want to honor her by doing the funeral. So he drove his three children with him over to the graveside. And as they're driving, stuck there in traffic, there was one, you know, 53-foot semi that was kind of in the traffic with them. And they drove by it. And the shadow of that semi just covered up the whole car. And he thought to himself, and, and then he asked his kids, he said, would you rather be hit by a truck or hit by the shadow of a truck? And the oldest girl said, well, I think I'd like to be hit by a shadow because that can't kill you. And the pastor said, that's exactly right. And he said, mommy was not hit by a car. She was hit by the shadow of death because she's with the Lord right now and she's alive and she's well. And he used that to illustrate that if you believe in me, Jesus said, you'll be with me in eternity be absent from the body, to be present from the Lord. That is what it means to be redeemed from death. It's a temporary state you and I deal with, but one day we will see our loved ones again. You'll have resurrected bodies. That is what we have ultimately been redeemed from. And I'd like to get every head bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know that you have been redeemed from death, if you don't know that heaven awaits you, if you don't know that there was a price paid for your soul, that the blood of Jesus was shed for you, I want you to put a hand up. And I want to pray with you to accept Jesus because it could be super real in your life. The plan of redemption, the purpose of God is a real thing. He's alive. He's a well. Now, why don't we all just pray this together? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I thank you for your blood that washes me and cleanses me. And I'm forgiven from sin. And I have been redeemed to be in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're serious about that prayer, man, I'd love to meet you, love to pray with you. I believe God's got some great plans for your life. Uh, if you would stand up with me, I want to dismiss the service. We want to thank you for coming out. But before I do, I have a burden this morning that hit me. I just, I want to pray for people who have businesses. If you're in business in something, maybe you're in construction or finances, or you got a little side business, or you're doing something where you're in charge of something, if you're uh, self-employed, I have a burden to pray for you. I really believe that God is going to increase people this morning. And, and I wanted to try to save this for next week, but I just feel so stirred up about it. So, hey, if you want prayer, we'll pray for you anytime you want. But this morning, I specifically want to pray for people who maybe have businesses. And I feel like God could bless that business. So as you go this morning, that's what I want to do. Thank you for coming to Bethany Church, man. We love you. Invite someone out to church next week. Bring some with you. I'm grateful for spring weather. Come on, somebody. It's cool. Oh, this green is great. We love you. We'll catch you all next week. If you got a business, I want to pray for you. If you got any business, anything going on, let me come, come down here. I want to pray with you.